आओ सब मिलकर इंसानियत बचाएं बहुत हो गया बस अब हाथ मिलाएं सब मिलकर इंसानियत बचाएं बहुत हो गया बस अब हाथ मिलाएं लोग मर रहे हैं फरियाद कर रहे हैं इस मुश्किल वक्त में आह भर रहे हैं न तुम अलग हो हमसे न हम अलग हैं तुमसे एक जैसा रंग और जुबान है कसम से आओ सब अपनी दुनिया सजाए जो आ गई है दूरिया इनको मिटाए हम तेरे साथ हम तेरे साथ चोट लगे तो हमें भी दर्द होता है चाहे जितनी दूरियां हो फिर भी दिल ये रोता है हाँ तुम्हें चोट लगे तो हमें भी दर्द होता है चाहे जितनी दूरियां हो फिर भी दिल ये रोता है कुछ लोग हैं जब से जो लड़ने की बात करते हैं लड़ना ही है तो इस बीमारी से लड़ते हैं आओ सब मिलकर झगड़े मिटा हाँ तुम्हें चोट लगे तो हमें भी दर्द होता है चाहे जितनी दूरियां हो फिर भी दिल ये रोता है कुछ लोग हैं जब से जो लड़ने की बात करते हैं लड़ना ही है तो इस बीमारी से लड़ते हैं आओ सब मिलकर झगड़े मिटाए अपने प्यारों को मिलकर बचाएं हम तेरे साथ हैं हम तेरे साथ हैं हम तेरे साथ हैं हाय, I'm Suvir Bajaj from Bombay, India. And I'm Omer Ghazi from Karachi, Pakistan. We've been friends for over 15 years now, and often I dream of getting into my car and driving to go and see Omer over the weekend. Door to door, the journey is only 883 kilometers for me. Yet, it's impossible to get there. And in this podcast, Suvir and I are going to try to take that journey digitally, as we explore the similarities that Pakistanis and Indians have through the lens of content, community, and culture. We will chat with respected filmmakers, chefs, musicians, even stand-up comics who may have performed across the border and even have fans here and there. Our aim is to try and bridge the gap between our two countries through transformational dialogue with the youth of our nations. 
I'm sure that together we will identify several similarities. After all, we are all cut from the same cloth. And indeed, we might find a few differences, but we will celebrate them. Welcome to 883 to Infinity. I know we say this um, sometimes even superficially to almost all of our episodes, but this one is really, really special. And unfortunately, not in a upbeat, exciting way. It's actually special because it's a message straight from our minds and straight from our hearts. And unlike other episodes, there's no guest here because uh, we've already gotten uh, an unwelcome guest in both our countries, in India and Pakistan, in the form of COVID-19. It was here last year. Uh, we tried to kick it out. And it seems now that it's back with a vengeance. So for this episode, we're going to go out of our comfort zones. We're not following our usual workflows for 883 and creating this raw, rough, straight from the heart conversation, tackling the politicization of the pandemic. We hope uh, it gives you food for thought. So Omer, I want to start off by giving you an update on what the COVID crisis is looking like in India at the moment. Uh, of course, we know that globally, India is the most affected country at the moment. We're doing over 350,000 new cases a day. Uh, this number has been consistent for approximately two weeks now. And the number is not showing any signs of slowing down across the country. All big cities are trying their best to slow things down. But of course, the repercussions have now gone way beyond control. The mortality rate is consistent at 1%. And we're recording about 3,500 deaths a day. Uh, this obviously is caused by the massive lack of infrastructure and oxygen around the country. The healthcare infrastructure is highly overburdened. There are no hospital beds and proper facilities for people who are looking for them. Despite having a fever of 102, 103 or even 104 degrees, people are spending hours, sometimes 12, 14 hours to try and find themselves a hospital bed and sometimes dying, just waiting outside hospitals, looking for these beds. Yes, that's how dire the condition has gotten. In fact, even for those fortunate few who managed to get a hospital bed, a lot of them whose oxygen levels dip considerably below, SpO2 levels dip considerably below 95, 90, some people come down to 70 also don't have oxygen supply. India as a country has a lot of shortage of oxygen supply at the moment. And this is just a massive example of a complete breakdown of public infrastructure, of facilities, of the healthcare system. Uh, deaths are piling up and are highly underreported by the news, by the media. Cremation facilities are very, very overburdened. In fact, so certain news reports state that a lot of workers at burial grounds, at cremation centers, have also fled the site and left uh, for fear of their own lives because, Whoa. of course, a lockdown has been called in all big cities. And, you know, there are certain protocols that uh, COVID-positive pa uh, patients who are tested need to be either buried with or cremated with. And a lot of these cremation workers have actually fled the site by virtue of them being afraid of their own lives and possibly, you know, by virtue of uh, a threat of a national lockdown around the corner. And as a resu result, uh, these burial grounds and cremation facilities are very, very overburdened with the sheer number of bodies that are coming and just can't handle, handle the magnitude, um, you know, of uh, states have already declared a lockdown. Well, they're not calling it a lockdown because the center isn't allowing the word lockdown to be used for fear of an economic meltdown, which is exactly what happened in April, May, June of last year, because the country, country centrally went into a lockdown. And of course, the economy crashed and we were 25% behind 
the expected GDP of the quarter. So the, the center is not supporting the use of the word lockdown, but 13 states have now unilaterally taken the decision to impose very, very strict restrictions as far as commercial activity is concerned, as far as trade, travel, transport is concerned. Of course, as far as social distancing is concerned, you're not even allowed to get out of your house. The police has become very vigilant in big cities like Bombay. It's patrolling the streets and it's discouraging people from loitering. It's discouraging people from even getting out of their houses to stretch their legs in the evening post work and just go for a walk. That's how dire the situation has gotten in India at the moment, Umair. Yeah, that sounds absolutely harrowing. So, uh, so they won't label it a lockdown, hmm. but for all effects and purposes, it is like absolutely. that. I mean, there's no other way to go, right? Absolutely. And personally, I'm just, I, it's, we've been seeing some of this footage come in as well. And there's a, I mean, it's it's just heartbreaking the sort of stuff that we're, we're able to see. Uh, but I just I'm curious, like um, personally, as as someone who's who's sitting in Bombay right now, like how, how does it feel like personally? Like, how has your day changed from from a couple of, I mean, uh, from before this peak happened? Well, to talk about today, I woke up in the morning and I saw messages on my phone at 7.15 in the morning when I woke up, which were updates about people, my friends, my colleagues, and people in their extended families having passed away. Over the course of my day from 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. when I started my day to about noon, I already spoke to three people who mentioned that they've had deaths in their family this morning. And later, the, during the course of the second half of the day, I spoke to five people that were just surrounded by death. And that is pretty much the Mahal in India at the moment, that whether you look left or right, you're interfacing with people who are dealing with so much death, so much anxiety, so much depression, that people's, people have lost the willingness to wake up and get to work and do things, the willingness to live life. There's no concept of normalcy in context of how people are living life. And how do you find the motivation to wake up and, and try and live a normal and productive life when you're just surrounded by so much anxiety and so much trauma? That's one side of things. And the other side of things is this imminent fear that's gripping people now because clearly this new strain you know, is terrorizing yeah. its victims in a way that last year never saw. And you're hearing people yeah. going through really, really bad bouts of illness. And it's so common now to have pneumonia and it's so common to you know have these post uh Corona symptoms that last you for two to three months that cause massive fatigue and body ache that this fear has now gripped people and the fear is controlling decision making the fear is controlling life. And it's a very unsettling feeling it's very, very overwhelming and no one is themselves anymore for the last few months in India. I, I, I can, I can only imagine what it feels like actually I because we've been having these conversations I can actually this is something that I was speaking to my wife as well. Uh, about is you know when we were when I had spoken to you yesterday the day before you know we were thinking about this so it's I can see it I can see it in your eyes I can see it in your disabled air I can see it in your voice it's that you know it's obviously when you're when you're surrounded by such huge odds and you're surrounded by bad news coming from all sides and it, so much so that it becomes the norm it definitely I mean I, my, my sympathies are with you. It's just, I, I hope that we can get over this hump. So it, it, in Pakistan, obviously we're a 
we're a we're a fraction of the size of India. So the absolute numbers are probably not going to be well a similar boat, but the sheer magnitude that you see in in India, we we haven't quite reached yet. So in in comparison, let's say if you're looking at uh, three hundred fifty thousand, if you're looking at three hundred fifty thousand new cases a day, we only we're only now this is this is the ironic part, right? So. In that context, I have the luxury of saying that you know it's only, but even like four thousand four hundred cases a day is a, is a is a massive amount because each one of those cases has that that potential to end in in a very very horrible way. And uh, surprisingly, the if you if you look at the mortality rate of of Pakistan versus India, we have a higher mortality. So, so you're, if you're sitting at let's say about one percent. Uh, our mortality rate, and that's this is not just today. This has been throughout the pandemic. You know, throughout the in 2020, the peak that we had, we saw similar patterns whereby we're we're seeing mortality rates of 2.5 percent uh, versus the 1 percent that we're seeing in India, which is uh, quite strange. I, I still haven't been able to find out why that is because well, logically, well, not logically, the assumption is that uh, the you know, the older the, the population, the more but the mortality rate should should be slightly higher. But in this case, like in in a comparison between Pakistan and India's median uh, age, Pakistan has a as a younger median age as compared to India, right? So ours is 22, yours is somewhere around 28, 29. So, but despite that fact, we see the opposite. We see that the, the mortality rate is much higher. Um, and uh, same thing over here. So, you know, we... We had, I live in Karachi, so we, we had uh, the, the, the mayor actually designated five new massive graveyards last year, specifically for coronavirus victims. Uh, and, and they still, I mean, I'm so sure they're still piling up. So we, we don't have uh, funeral fires, but we, we do have, you know, they're running out of space. And, you know, there's this, uh, it's, uh, in during this time, I've, uh, some people from our family also, that have actually lost the battle to this to this disease, uh, and some people, of course, they've they've gone away for different reasons, for illness, for 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 old age. And as a matter of fact, my grandmother passed away uh, a few months ago. And honestly, it's it's even at that very um, that very sensitive moment, it's 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 unfathomable that you you know you're in this grief and you get to find a burial space for a loved one, and you know it's not there. And you have to grease palms and you have to figure out a way, you know, whose who's mindset where it's just impossible. So I, I, it's, I mean, there's no words to describe it. Um, unfortunately, Pakistan, may, so we see the news, we see the snippets, we see what's happening in India. Um, but it, it seems like, you know, when I, when I came over today, uh, back to my place, I, I went to my parents' place uh, for, for iftar, for dinner. And when I came over, I saw there's still people thronging the seats, streets, right? So there's still people. We have Ramzan here. Ramzan is, you know, where our schedules change a little bit uh, and we become night owls. So Ramzan traditionally is when we have all those Ramzan night cricket. And I, there's not, not a single street that is uh, not filled with people just, just, just banging their cricket bats and all without masks, without fear of social distancing, this, that, whatever. So where the where the hammer of the state is falling is on commercial enterprises. Uh, it, they are trying to enforce SOPs, but mostly the gen, general population um, isn't really, it, it feels like they're not really adhering to the SOPs that are put in place. And the warning seems to be over and over again that, you know, 
look at what's going on in india you will you know you're 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 the same people you have the same habits you're similarly careless you will run into the same problems magar wahi hai matlab like from my personal experience bata raha so we have in in ramzan mosque attendance goes up and people go for tarawih which is a longer form of prayer and you know regularly go to five times a day to prayer and aur usme flip side ye hai ki um when someone dies um in, in in our culture in our religion they have to then the the funeral actually takes a procession it it starts at the mosque so the molisa whether it's a woman or a man or a child or whoever the 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 neighborhood mosque actually does a little prayer for them after which their body is then transported back to to the graveyard so literally in mosques what's going on is that right before prayer the the leader of the prayer actually says you know ladies and gentlemen so and so and so and so and so and so his father brother grandfather they passed away unfortunately please join us right after this prayer to uh to to you know say a, say a few prayers for their departed soul wahan pe wah realization ho rahi hai but then again sps follow nahi ho rahe mark wahi no social distancing during the prayer no mask during the prayer maybe 5% of the people of course this is the anecdotal evidence that i'm just speaking from around my own but uh, it just seems like uh, things are people not taking it as seriously as they should now the government has pulled in um uh, uh put in smart lockdowns right so our government also went through that big lockdown back in the day uh, in 2020 now they're doing smart lockdown so right now as we speak right now uh lahore is under two day lockdown for the last two days complete karachi is under these uh, area wise lockdowns where they're closing off certain areas uh and actually you know we even uh, even the prime minister was tested positive for covid earlier this year in march so the threat is very much around then all the uh, every uh like bit of news or bit of advice that we hear from from people is you know you you don't want to end up at india's uh and people are just brushing it off they're like uh, you know whatever we'll deal with it when it comes there when, but but it's already here so the army has been called in because of this 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 attitude of of people like people all over me actually um the, the army has been called out so it's beyond let's say police jurisdiction also it's beyond you know paramilitary also literally the army has come out to actually ensure that everybody is following the protocol wearing the mask but of course they can't they, they simply can't be everywhere at the same time there have been in karachi you know the traders markets the mobile phone markets all those like jo sare gad hai jahan pe sari matlab industry jahan se chalti hai karachi is the 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 industrial capital of the country right so they are defined they are like nothing doing bhai we have to you know we have danda hai kaam karna hai which is understandable as well they need to earn money uh, but you know then you know there's writ of the state the uh, the army is coming and locking down entire markets throwing people into jail and all of that sort of stuff so it's 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 quite a lot of chaos um but if you you know just the the interesting thing is that if you don't look at the absolute numbers uh if you look at the percentages so it, india and pakistan agar aap unka graph dekhe from let's say uh the 1st of march last year to you know probably earlier this this month um it's literally matlab it's the same they're following the same sort of thing so there was a slight difference in the middle whereby we had a we, because of our lockdowns or i don't know what the cause is but we had a slight dip in let's say right after august but otherwise you know percentage to percentage wise um we are in the same boat we have the same sort of bulge we have the same curve the curve is not flattening it's getting much and much worse right now as well 
so I, I'm just uh, at a loss of words on 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 how this you know I, I sympathize with you I, I I can understand that it's very difficult going through this and at the same time I feel so frustrated because I can't seem to convince anybody um, around me and I see see just gen general carelessness uh, because after that, in India, there was a big event so there is going to be it's a cultural event, it's a religious event. And not to say that I'm, I'm in favor of just locking people in, but just I'm, I'm very, very afraid right now as well. No, I hear you, Mayor. And of course, as you can imagine, Ramzan is also a very big uh, month in India. Of course, India has a very, very high populace of uh, Muslim population as well. And, you know, government is trying its best to ensure that they you know, build in a certain amount of responsibility in people. But I guess, like you rightly said, you know, it's there's so much only so much that the government and the police can do. And there's and we'll talk more about that actually later, because that's an interesting subject that I feel that we should delve into a little later. Although there's been a slight bit of positivity, you know, over the last maybe 30 odd days, not not today, of course, but over the last 30 days, as far as vaccination in India, um, they started off by doing vaccinations for people who are 60 uh, above the age of 60. And for people who are above the ages of 45 that have certain comorbidities, I think the first round of vaccinations for people above 60 for about 15% uh, of uh, that population have been complete. Uh, the rest still are pending. Uh, what's ironic is that they opened up uh, the vaccination to people who are above 45 years of age. And as of a couple of days ago, as of the 1st of May, they opened up vaccination to people 18 plus as well, 18 to 44 as oh. well. Now, that's very reassuring because they made this public statement a while ago saying that they're going to open up the vaccination post the 1st of May. But there is just a, such a shorter vaccine, vaccines in India. In fact, I have so many people in my family as well, my parents included, who've gotten their first shot six weeks ago, but have gone back for their second shot and there are just no vaccines available. And it's really ironic because on one hand, they're saying that people who are 60 plus should come and get their second shot and they're being sent away because there's a lack of vaccines available. And then they're inviting people who are 18 plus, who I would imagine would be considerably healthier and in considerably mm -hmm. more stable places of their life from, from the perspective of being at risk to public health. Uh, but they're inviting them in to come and get vaccinated and these vaccinations just don't exist. So it's reached a very, very uh, scary, scary place at the moment where, you know, of course, India had a surplus a few months ago, but now has a massive deficit. And there's a lot of uh, pushing and pulling between the states and the center. And, you know, I'll tell you more about that as we go on. Uh, there's been a massive push to now obviously import. The government has now funded 3,000 crores to companies that are developing vaccines in India to ramp up their operations and to start increasing the frequency and the pace that they start, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing these vaccines with. But of course, all of this is going to take a few months to stabilize, right? Which means it's going to be a very difficult summer despite the vaccine, despite the vaccination. And a lot of people who have been inoculated have still complained that they're getting you know, mm. uh, infected, which obviously means that it's not done its course in terms of being tried and tested. And that's a story by itself. Of course, you know, there are 
uh, more qualified people to be discussing that than you and me. But I think the state that we're in at the moment is that we had this massive surplus a few months ago, and we've gone into this massive deficit. And you know, it's again feeding the fear that I spoke about earlier, saying you know, they, people think that this vaccination is going to be a silver bullet. I get vaccinated, and I'm going to be scot free, and I yeah. can do whatever I want. And especially because you know, the Western world, the USA has said that if you've gotten both your shots and you're doing something in the outdoors, you don't even need to wear a mask. They're saying that if you're gathering in public spaces in small groups, you don't need to wear a mask. So there's so much faith behind, you know, being built and so much trust being built behind this vaccine that people are considering it to be their silver bullet. But the reality mm. of the matter is that we don't even have access to this vaccine in quantities that we really desire it to. Yeah. What's the situation like in Pakistan? I hear that there's a shortage there as well. Uh, so, yeah, so we've, as of today, I think we've given out some, some 2 million odd doses. Uh, unfortunately, it's so because the, the, the vaccine that we're giving out is, uh, you know, it's two tiered. I'm, I'm sure some same suggest as there as well. So we don't, I don't have, I couldn't find that the numbers are not released to, to, to Pakistanis or to international bodies on the total number of people that have gone through the second phase as well, the second jab and are fully vaccinated. So right now they've, they've given out 2.1 million doses, but Abuski distribution care is, is, uh, is not quite clear. So, um, but but still, you know, if if the it seems to be that generally, isko uh, world over jo iski vaccination ki jo, jo load bearing capacity usko measure karte hain, you know, x of hundred people. So right now we're not even like not even one of hundred Pakistanis, uh, not, not not even one percent is there. Um, of course, with with uh, once again, so it's it's optics, right? So we're only two hundred and twenty million people com compared to India's size. But then, you know, it's, um, so I'm curious, so what did this shortage occur when you shifted from, let's say, the, the 45 bracket to 18 plus everybody, you know, gen pop can come in? Or was it something that was brewing otherwise, do you think? No, the shortage actually came in before 18 to 45 was even allowed in which is the oh. ironic situation over here, right? So in India, mm -hmm. of course, we're following the same Duja principle. And in India, they're distributing the vaccination free of cost in a government or state-sponsored hospital. And in private yeah. hospitals, they're taking a nominal fee of 250 rupees. So it's highly oh. subsidized. The idea is that they don't want cost or price to be an impediment for mm -hmm. people to come in and get vaccinated. Of course, there is sure. uh, there are now... Uh, there's a push to privatize administration of the vaccine and you can buy it in private market and it's going to be priced at 600 and 1200 rupees, et cetera. That's a story for another day. But at mm. the moment, what they've done is they've kept the, the cost barrier so low. They've, you know, uh, they've increased the reach of the number of hospitals administering because they want maximum number of people to have access to this. The irony is that the vaccination drive for 18 plus has opened only three days ago on the 1st of May, literally three days ago. But people have been complaining for one week or two weeks prior to that. People who are 45 plus and 60 plus have been complaining for a couple of mm. weeks before that, saying they're just not getting appointments. You've got to take an appointment on a little app, a Cohen app, and take yeah. an appointment at a center closest to your house or, you know, that has the vaccine that you have previously taken because, of course, you can only get the same second jab of, of, the, of mm. the same one, of the same company that you got the first jab. And people are just not getting appointments, you know, so there's just a shortage of vaccines available. And as a result, you know, this was an optical call to open uh, vaccination drive for 18 plus mm. post the 1st of May. And of course, to maintain the optics, they have to do this. But you know, the at least uh, the state government in Maharashtra has tweeted saying that they might have to push it back by three weeks, you know, until they're able sure. to restock and uh, 
uh, re-resource as far as uh, the quantum of vaccinations in a city like Bombay is concerned? Sure. So ours is slightly different. So yes, there is definitely a shortage. A shortage on a country level is there in the sense that we don't have indigenous vaccine production, right? Like India, uh, not even a little bit, let alone someone the size and scale of, of, of Serum Institute. Uh, so all of our stuff is, you know, uh, it's either being coming in through through, through different channels. Magar uh, Ismay, so we had this, we had a tiered opening as well. So 60 plus ko pehle mili, then 50 plus, then now from today onwards, 40 plus, uh, you know, people can just go to to whatever and uh, SMS karenge, they, they built a whole system around it. But a shortage, like country level, pe hai, but I haven't heard of anybody saying that, you know, we have to wait three weeks for the government. They, you, you, you put in your thing, wo aapko ek mein, do mein aa jata hai. so it seems, mujhe lag hai ki general sentiment bhi ek thoda Pakistan mein hai, you know, and I speak about this a little later as well, that they, they don't trust vaccination because it's come so late and, you know, there's, there's so many things surrounding it. Uh, it seems to be that not everybody that's, and, and this is within my immediate family as well, people who are eligible, a lot of people who are eligible and they're like, mm, no, not yet, maybe later. And I'm like, I, I can't get it. You know, you, you guys have that facility, just go step into a hospital and just get it done. They're like, nahi, you know, we have some, we have our doubts and stuff. So, so abhi is kism ki mujhe lagta hai ke, uh, from a, uh, from a user point of view, I see shortage nahi hai, but of course, uh, you know, given that you have 220 million or abhi tak sirf 2 million aaye. So, uh, 2 million bhi doses aaye. Malab 2 million uh, totally vaccinated nahi So, there is definitely a shortage. And then as far as the private thing is concerned, so that's free of cost to the government. As far as the private thing is, that's where we're disproportionately different than India. Uh, probably because we have to, you know, we can't just buy the, the local vaccine. There's no local vaccine. Uh, so we have to get the only available option is the government has actually recently opened up, uh, has licensed, licensed a private pharma to import the Sputnik, uh, which is a Russian vaccine, right? And so it's selling like in a city like uh, upper urban middle class, upper class sort of people can go and get it from a hospital, uh, assumably, uh, for about like 13,000 rupees or 12,000 rupees, something like that, which is around 6,000 Indian, still massive difference. You know, vaccine passports, so we can do it. It's, it's, it's not really there. So there are more people, the demand is much higher than the supply, even at those rates. So there is, you know, people are like myself and my family, my wife and I have been trying to get this for a couple of weeks now. And we've called every damn hospital in the neighborhood. And other way as well, online Google Forms, SMS registration. But they're like, sir, nothing doing, you know, I'll call us after two weeks. Two weeks later, they say, call us after two weeks. So, and then then we hear of people that are actually getting them. And that's because government contact and you know, there's there's this black market that has emerged. Rabbi and I are not quite well versed on how to get into that black market. So we're, we're unvaccinated in lockdown in our house. Um, but otherwise, it's so Pakistan has been, it, it's it's one of the 90 odd countries that that come in the uh, the, the poorer nations of the world. So we have a part of the, the COVAX initiative. Right? So COVAX is this giant global body that is supposed to you know take all the orders from the big 
big in the you know developed countries and then pool them together with the orders from the poorer countries so that and sets a, a a negotiated like price so that everybody gets the vaccine at the same price and at the same time but both the system hasn't been working i mean i'm sure some if someone wants to dive into it they can dive into it a little deeper to see why it's not working but now as it stands today like the government is yehi jo aap bol rahe ho hamare yahan thoda sa government uh, center or provincial governments may thoda sa wo tussle hai that you know everybody jousting for their own share so the 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 provinces of sindh and punjab have actually reached out and they've taken special permission from the government saying for federal government saying ki bhai आप लोग से तो प्रोक्योर नहीं हो रही हमें अपने लिए लेने हमें बायोलैटरल डायरेक्ट कॉन्टैक्ट करने सो सो फॉर एग्जांपल सिंध एज सिंध वेर एम सिटिंग द गवर्नमेंट हैज रीच्ड आउट टू दिस अदर चाइनीज मैन्युफैक्चरर व्हाट्स हिज नेम इन सिंध द सिंध गवर्नमेंट इज ट्राइंग टू एक्चुअली प्रोक्योर लाइक 10 मिलियन डोजेस ऑफ वैक्सीन फ्रॉम कैसिनो व्हिच इज अनदर यू नो ऑल ऑफ आवर वैक्सीन सीम्स टू बी कमिंग फ्रॉम चाइना एट दिस पॉइंट बिकॉज़ हमें जो 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 इंडियन मेड वैक्सीन थी जिस पे बड़ा हुप्ला भी हुआ था इंडिया में भी पाकिस्तान की मीडिया में भी कि इंडिया में बनी हुई वैक्सीन वैक्सीन हमारे लोगों को लगेगी या वो लोग बोलेंगे हम वैक्सीन लाइफ सेविंग ड्रग उनको भेजेंगे मगर इट वाज ऑल यू नो इवेंचुअली इट वाज ऑल फॉर फॉर द बेटर गुड ऑफ ह्यूमैनिटी अब वो बिकॉज़ द नंबर्स हैव रिजन सो हाई एंड यू नो द सीरम इंस्टीट्यूट कांट रियली प्रोवाइड एंड एंड द एक्सपोर्ट्स हैव स्टॉप्ड लाइक यू सेड so now we're not getting our share the rest of the world is not getting their share of of that covax vaccine which was supposed to come in from india so we have to rely on china uh china ne hame 1.5 million doses pehle diye the fir ek 5 lakh dose aur abhi aa rahe hain so takriban all of it is is coming from china so even the government the local governments are trying to crack these bilateral deals i don't know how i mean i'm sure the federal government has better negotiation power but they're trying to say you know we'll hum hath pair mar ke kahin se bhi hum le le but it's just uh, it seems like a losing battle especially right now given that um covax hasn't met its target india's in 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 a state of affairs where it cannot produce it. and india is supposed to be the 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 biggest factory of this vaccine in the world right so it's a, it's a, it's a pretty tough spot to be in and i don't know what the future is looking like well you know desperate times call for desperate measures and i want to spend a couple of minutes talking about i think you know po- uh, policy on on foreign aid uh it's really funny because a few months ago india was not a vaccine deficit nation in fact a few months ago as early as january of this year india actually exported 65 million doses of the vaccine across 80 countries that were in need and this is exactly the covax syndicate that you're talking about right and yeah. it's really ironic because 5 months ago we were in a position to export a large quantum of uh vaccination and 5 months later we're in a dire situation where we're not able to meet our need and i guess desperate times call for desperate measures and for the first time in india actually for the first time in over 15 years india has now changed their foreign policy to for the first time accept aid or gifts from foreign countries ah. or ngos okay. or healthcare organizations this effectively mm-hmm. means that i could have a relative sitting in a different part of the world who actually gifts me an oxygen cylinder and the country is now obliged to accept that gift and this is the first time oh. in 15 years we're doing it we've had very very dire situations in the past in fact as recently as 3 years ago in 2018 we had these terrible floods in kerala kerala mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a coastal state that sits on the western coast of india just below bombay in fact uh, you know it it hugs the western coast of the peninsula of india and we had these monumental floods and mm. a lot of the malayali population that's indigenous to kerala 
they actually work in the gulf they work in the uae and they work in countries around and the uae had offered uh, donations to the tune of 700 crore rupees and the Whoa. indian government shut that off they said no our policy is that we do not take aid from foreign nations yeah, in fact yeah, even yeah. the maldives you know which is a friend of india even the maldives said that we are willing to contribute 50 lakh rupees in their capacity as best as they could help and india said no we will not accept because it's of that movement right self reliant india that's yes, the, that's absolutely the yeah so there's pride in that absolutely and now cut to 2021 we have over 40 nations who are now pledging their help to india clearly because of the situation that we're in and india says aapko khushi se dena hai to hum lenge so it's a roundabout way of accepting it because mm. we're in a desperate situation we have to yeah. right? of course there mm. are the economic superpowers of course biden has finally said now we will contribute raw materials so that you can manufacture the virus you know and and ranging from the us to australia literally you know different sides of the world and then of course mm. you've got the asean nations as well right you've got thailand you've got singapore who put their hands up and saying we will support india we will help india and then you've got the sark nations as well we've got you know our neighbors on the east we've got bangladesh who's pitched in saying we're going to help out we've got our neighbor on the northeast which is bhutan that's saying they're going to help out and what i was most pleasantly surprised by is pakistan put their hand up and said we're going to help out both the state yeah. did it and private organizations and ngos and charitable trust did it and it was such a heart you know heartwarming gesture when i read those articles from the the foundation you know writing to the prime minister's office saying we will help out because i mean it really showed that you know uh, there is hope in humanity during this time of you know crisis no i mean i i was waiting you know you, you took this long list of countries that are offering the help in this time and i was waiting to pakistan 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 because it's not often that uh, when this position whereby we can actually make a, a at least a little bit of a difference and here it it was the case because we there was this whole movement here and i i felt it amongst the people as well and we saw a lot of people um uh, actually speak about you know we had this hashtag trending for a while i mean sort of elitist for me to bring that up hashtag se kya hota hai uh, but pakistan stands with india so i you know so eid just a little context for some of our listeners in india so eid foundation is uh, is is arguably uh, the world's largest uh, let's say ambulance uh, service and it's actually a, an ngo that's that was founded by this this very very gentle gentleman and uh, he passed away a couple of years ago now his son uh, runs the organization and there i mean they are a godsend for all of pakistan so if something happens or if you need an ambulance someone passes away we don't actually you know look for the government number or call police or anything like that we simply everybody is know, knows the eid number and the, the the people of pakistan rely on this not for profit organization to actually do this very critical thing so the fact that they've been able to albeit it was only 50 ambulances that that eid uh, foundation uh, were managed to uh, pledge but still i mean that's that's 50 people a day uh, at least that that can perhaps take some help and you know katra katra samandar i'm i'm actually out, out from a state p i think uh, i've been seeing uh, we got um, pledges from from everyone from the prime minister from from our foreign office uh, you know uh, they they're trying to at least you know once again so given the size and scale of india i'm sure whatever we can the country can offer the pakistan can offer is not massive i mean it's, it's probably you know it's just going to fan out one flame in the giant inferno that's that's raging through india right now but 
yeah, you know, it, it's a welcome change. Actually, it's something that we're doing both from a state level. Our, our, um, you know, our, uh, our foreign office spokesperson also, you know, recently said, you know, we'll send, it's not just the ambulances, we'll send ventilators, we'll send x-ray machines, PPEs, related items. Um, uh, what I'm surprised is, as is that, you know, we, okay, it's the circumstances that mold you, you know, you, you begin to, uh, you begin to realize how, how globally connected we are. That I, I was surprised to hear that even China, so Pakistan ke saath to rivalry hai, hai suna hai and this podcast is all about trying to get rid of that. Uh, but China, I mean, you guys had a, had a pretty intense like uh, situation with China and over the years you've been at loggerheads actually. And I think India has also opened up to China now helping them out and China can probably do, do significant more um, given that there seems to be no no adverse news coming out of them after the whole one thing. Probably they have it in control or whatever. But uh, you know, it just it, this 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 disease is, is probably you know after ten years if we're still around, we'll be like you know this is the thing that put us in our place. You know, told us you know showed us perspective that we were missing for so for so long, man. <sighs> it's sad though. I mean, you know that even though we're in this situation and, you know, we've, India's got a difficult political situation on both sides of the border, you know, on the east with Pakistan, uh, on the west with Pakistan, on the east with China. And as you rightly said, over the last 12 months, things with China have been really, really, you know, on a sticky wicket um, with what's going on in Ladakh around, you know, the Pangong. So, but despite that, I mean, they've not said no to China, but despite that, we're still dilly-dallying, you know, and not accepting the help that we're getting from Pakistan, both from NGOs and from state. And I find this really ironic. In fact, like I find that there's so much criticism, right, in the media about this non-committal move on India's part. And, you know, some very prominent people, you know, there's a, uh, your story to tell, but I was reading an article about a progressive Pakistani historian called Dr. Mubarak Ali. Mm. And, you know, he re yeah. recently wrote a post that someone shared with me saying that, you know, in the mishandling of the coronavirus pandemic in India and Pakistan proves that oxygen has become more important than uranium, right? It's become yeah. so ironic. And is it not time for us to wake up for both of us to invest in public health and focus less on warmongering? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? The other day, a very, very prominent filmmaker in India called Hansal Mehta, he just produced ah. a lovely web series called Scam 1992, which was about the Harshad Mehta scam that took place on the Bombay Stock Exchange uh, in the year 1992, of course, you know, lovely, mm. uh, lovely web series that just went live uh, a few months ago. And mm. he put up a tweet, you know, saying that Indians and Pakistanis are cut from the same cloth. We're breathing the same air. It's a very, very difficult time in India. I wonder yeah. what the times are like in Pakistan, you know, and mm. it obviously came from a place of concern. And he just got ruined on social media. You yeah, know, people called him a that. traitor and a gaddar. And one man even offered to buy him a one-way ticket to Pakistan saying, you please go to Pakistan. You deserve to belong with your people. And it was just ridiculous that even in these times when people are reaching out saying, I'm putting my sentiment out, I'm putting my concern out for, you know, my brothers and sisters, irrespective of border, caste, creed, race, religion, and people are so trigger happy to jump onto this, you know, and the media is just picking it up and lapping it up and, you know, it's completely sensationalizing it. And it's just so embarrassing, to be honest, the mm -hmm. state of affairs that we're in right now. actually ticket I don't know. I, I also, I, I did follow the story a little bit because 
it was a little bit insulting yaar matlab theek hai i mean i mean we are pakistan but iska ye matlab nahi hai ki tum ab to pakistan chale jao is koi is like a hell hole it's not that hell hole <laughs> but uh, it's just you're, you're right so so that hits close to home when you say something like you know oxygen is more important than uranium it close it hits close to home because our countries have been so um so focused on first you know the the nuclear arms race and now we're both nuclear and now it's all about uh, deterrence theory and god knows what so it's with disproportionately agar aap uh, the probably the reason we're in this mess is if we if we had funneled some of that money instead of enriching uranium for for the bombs i mean we could, we could have put some of that over the years over the decades actually into our into our healthcare systems and probably we'd be both our countries would be much better off and would be able to take on this challenge at this moment in in a in a way that you know other developed nations are actually doing uh given that you know we there's so many doctors and medical profession in pakistan and india is is like you know best in class right so it's just the infrastructure that is that has been historically missing and continues to be missing so wo yahi hai ki hum you know itne saal ho gaye hain independent hue british se hum to ho gaye but we've since been stockpiling all of that funds into you know this is now this is a defense budget now this is this budget now so that budget but where it actually needs to go and this is the moment where you know it's like the boy cried wolf this is the moment where we need we needed the infrastructure it's not because yeah hey there are some bombs try to use the bombs well we don't need them we need oxygen cylinders we need ventilators we need hospital beds and you know pakistan is they, they claim that you know while it's not quite there yet but we're at 90% capacity we're running out of beds we're running out of cylinders we're, we're running out of ventilators and so, i mean what can one do man i i i just feel like every time i i stop talking and you can talk i i just end up this note because yes there is there are some every time there's a there's the positive light that comes in this sort of uh politics that comes into play and sort of you know diffuses it all together ye ye ho raha hai ambulance aa rahi hai nahi nahi aa sakti chalo milke kaam karte hain nahi nahi ho sakta in in the just what can one do no i i hear you umair and you know i want to take a minute to actually talk about the sentiment of the people obviously you know the media has to print what sells but i want to talk about the sentiment of the people and there are a couple of very interesting insights actually right with the sentiment of the people so obviously the sentiment towards the uh, the government at the moment is slightly hostile as you can imagine mm. yeah uh, I, i saw that people are very very upset by the government's absolute lack of responsibility of how they've handled the situation in context to what their priorities have been of course there are you know elections going on in india and a couple of states tamil nadu just got over yeah. west bengal just got over yeah. uh but having said that i mean it doesn't give them the right to propagate the rallies the way they have done and conduct these mass super spreader events and just a day before yesterday i read an article about this the kumbh mela that you just spoke about very you know very briefly mm. about how 99% of people returning home from the kumbh mela are actually testing positive and with the number of people that attended 99% 99% in madhya pradesh tested positive i read an article just two days ago and in fact and i just i can't even imagine what that's going to do for the country right and when our leaders are encouraging this behavior what do you expect public sentimentality to be right so everyone says mm. that modi needs to take responsibility for his poor judgment and his you know lack of uh, you know heed to the general uh, you know populace 
uh, there's hashtags going around saying Modi should resign, and I'm sure everyone in the world is aware about how Facebook is now censoring content like that. You know, banning accounts, mm, shutting yeah. down such people who are you know apparently speaking against the state. The BBC has pulled up. uh you know the public relations officer and you know interviewed him but to absolute no avail um you know obviously the public sentiment is that india should be accepting all the help that it gets because indians are dying at the moment and the reality of yeah. the situation is that 65% of india lives you know hovering around the poverty line below the poverty line you know it 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 fluctuates um and doesn't have access to organized public health care it's so sad you know at the same time we've seen this shift of these 40 countries now wanting to contribute to you know uh, towards uh, um, um, aid to india uh, and pakistan has been one such country and you know i just want to take a minute to talk about a social intelligence statistic as well you know mm-hmm. um so for our listeners social intelligence essentially is intelligence that we gather by conducting audits and analysis of several thousands and millions of conversations on the internet where we are mm. able to track and analyze conversations from a variety of people on the internet that speak about particular subjects and one of the subjects that we've obviously been tracking very aggressively is the sentiment of pakistan in india and likewise mm. the sentiment of india in pakistan and umair i am very very pleasantly surprised to report that in the month of april for the first time in india Pakistan has reported a 14.3% positive sentiment and this has happened for the first time in the last one year that we've been tracking the sentiment it's always been negative wow. the word cloud has always been peppered with war or law or police or you know uh, like you know uh, buzzwords relating to uh, insecurity mm. and politics and the and the case mm. maybe and terror and you know stuff the like usual that. suspects the usual suspects for the first time in the month of april when pakistan has offered aid both in capacity of state and capacity of ngo i think the positive the sentiment has moved 14.5% on the positive half of the curve for the first time and this is a very very big win as far as public perception in india is concerned and i want to take a sent- second to talk about this you know while we do discuss the public sentiment in india what's the public mm. uh, sentiment in pakistan like right now yeah so i i don't have your your better with data so i i all i have is is the people that i speak to and people surrounding me right so and and the conversations that i'm hearing i haven't done a formal audit yet maybe you can tell me about what what you found in the formal audit for pakistan magar main tumhe bataun ki what's been a little disappointing is while since you're speaking about these these online conversations right so one big uh, uh, proponent seems to be the 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 distribution of video content through whatsapp and because of that I'm, i don't know who's starting these videos but they're ending up like i'm, I'm from personal experience i can say wo uh, a cleaning lady was Uh, not cleaning the house for the last one year we given her off then you know things were getting better so we brought her back in and then uh, so so she, as soon as she started working the surge happened so we asked her you know since your hair will, will turn on the air conditioners in the house but you know it won't be as hot but you have to wear the mask because you know it's it's good for you it's good for us everything so you know later on i noticed um, she's not wearing it. like i'm not please wear it um, like okay begrudgingly both wears it so the next day you know when she's again not wearing it even though you know i'm trying to facilitate her uh, 
uh, once again, I'm sure this sounds very elitist, but but the heart of the matter is that her her kids. Now this is a this is a maybe a 70 year old woman, 60 year old woman, uh, right? And she's a very very hardworking person. She's a wonderful lady. Otherwise, very very devoted. But her kids are told her. Uh, who I, I presume are, are slightly older than me and some younger than me. The kids had told her that, uh, showed her some videos on WhatsApp and said, you know, this is a video in which basically someone is boiling the mask and the nylons are they're dancing around because of the temperature change and all of that. And they're like, the, the, the subtext and, and the overlay, the view is that, you know, this is a, a device that's being used by Dushman of Pakistan. So, and, and because she falls into the set whereby she can just go and, you know, I told her, I'll take you and you get your vaccine done and it'd be nice, you know, safe for you, safe for me. So she's like, no, um, my kids have said, it's a nasle We're like, you're 60 plus. I mean, at least you should do it. I mean, it's, it's you know, because people like this, I mean, we're comfortably sitting here in our palaces, just, you know, not going out. We have the liberty, but daily wage earners have to go out and she's in that age range of which she has to travel in public transport and everything. So, you know, just get it done. But it's it's tough. So, so these these digital tools and these um, these these sort of things that we take for granted sometimes they I see that they they actually are adversely affecting the conversation and the perception of of this whole disease. As a matter of fact, only today I and chalo ye to a different class. Only today I went to the bookshop to get some stuff. Um, and I've been going to that bookshop. It's in my neighborhood. I've been going to that bookshop for some twenty odd years, right? So I've I've seen the uncle. You know, he's a he's an engineer, very well versed, very nice guy, good like upper middle class ke ke uh, And even my wife, you know, when she we got married, she moved there. We've been going to that bookshop. We've always had very high praise for these people. So this uncle who's sitting there, uh, and one of his friends comes over. So the the kids man the the counter. And the uncle just sits around sometimes, you know, hangs out with his friends at the bookshop. So this friend of his comes and he's in the same age range, like 60 plus something. And he's like, you know, I've a shot like yeah, vaccination. So the knee-jerk reaction of this guy was, sir, obviously they will not give the real vaccine to Pakistan. They're just giving some some sugar water or what. Uh, and then you know it's better that we fend off by ourselves. Not not understanding that that you know the 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 seeing in our neighbors what's going on. But uh, threat I don't know what it is. insecurities uh, But the threat is that someone is trying to you know take over our culture, take over our autonomy. You know, make us all uh, emancipated. I don't know what. So ye public sentiment is is the only public sentiment that you can this is the stuff that bothers me and this is stuff that that I actually I've been hearing a lot of this and I'm trying with you know we're, we're trying to fix this both so Rabia and I have both decided okay we're going to pick fights and be vocal about anyone who's not wearing a mask right so you know we're going to say you know we went out today to to get some stuff from the store so you where I'm a very non-confrontational guy, right? But so still, you know, we picked up the courage to tell someone, hey, mask you know, say, okay, fine, I'll jump into the jaws of death. 
अगर पहन रहे हो तो यू नो व्हाट्स दिस यूज जस्ट जस्ट सोशल डिस्टेंसिंग करो सो वी ट्राइंग टू गेट ऑल ऑफ दैट स्टफ आउट um otherwise it seems jaise aapka kumbh mela tha वैसे there are cultural and religious let's say super spreader events that uh, as a matter of fact hamara pura jo wave shuru hua tha why we got it otherwise to shayad itna pura nahi hota was actually a, a religious event that happened uh, you know in in uh, this this sort of religious retreat that happens up north in pakistan is about a lot of religious people going is very very well respected very uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a great cultural event otherwise right so it's it's very very respected in society but at that point i guess they didn't know or they didn't care and you know that spread the first wave abhi bhi yeah that we are sitting in ramzan right now like i said you know uh, it's going to be eid and you know the markets are jam packed uh, unless the fauj comes and says dinde se ki nahi band karo jao mat still people are out abhi bhi agar you know if i take this camera and show you just the, the road outside my house people are playing to play cricket i mean that's fine play magar thoda sa khayal to rakhe na to wo wo sari cheeze hain aap you know at um, uh, the it, there seems to be some some warning from up above in our in, in the echelons of our government so everyone from the prime minister downwards you know so prime minister especially in the case of india uh you know he sent a solidarity which is rare because you know this is someone that usually leans on the right uh, and he's typically should be afraid of blowback because pakistan and you know the sort of blowback political blowback can come but he went out of his way to to actually say it out loud on a public forum that you know that, that we have solidarity and then his cabinet and his ministers did all that thing that they they're, they're trying to send out help and all and even like celebrities even ordinary people i see matlab they split down the middle so you you've got people like especially sports ki duniya mein you know you've got someone like shoaib akhtar who's you know Who's come out and said on his social channels that you know he's he's he's, he's giving his support. Pakistan stands with India. Um, you know you've got people like Farhan Sahib, who's a singer and actor. A lot of people are doing this, but it's not. I wouldn't say. I wish it was just as simple as just one-sided. My personally, but I don't. So this is because we're vested in this project. I actually pitched to a, a client of ours this thing that you know this Pakistan stands with India is is a great way to. to actually you know you speak about what's right um and and show your your positive side to the community and you know have a have a presence in in the, in the minds of people so the brand was okay with it okay uh i'm under nda so i can't really tell who it is brand was okay with it but um then we actually reached out to celebrities and especially you know people from the sports arena people from the music arena people that are running ngos and stuff that i would expect would be the first people to say hey, you know what yes we will send that little video message and we'll compile that thing you know we'll we'll take part in this day some of them declined some of them said mai bimar hu mai ye hu mai wo underlining message yahi tha ki there is always this 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 fear of a backlash whenever you in pakistan you know only when you have massive cones when only when you have the balls to say that you know oh, which some people have but there's always this fear and i have this fear as well right so whenever i have this conversation you know we're recording a podcast i'm especially conscious of the fact that one day this can blow up so and you know they can come and you know someone's going to put me up a stick and say you know it's called the gas attack so there's there's this fear and it's 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 both ways that's that's how the sentiment stands at least from where i where i sit no i know what you mean because of course there's increasing fear in india as well it starts with censorship and you know the rules have changed so drastically now with regards to saying anything against the government on a public or private forum and people are so afraid of 
even their whatsapp messages being read khair i mean that's an ongoing challenge i guess which we have to kind of deal with and you know as people who are creators then i you know i think we need to focus on our agenda and and you know spreading the word but that brings us to an interesting point because you spoke about imran khan getting onto a public platform and sending his wishes you know amongst a variety of other popular pakistani faces of course you know sports being sports mm-hmm. entertainment culture music being you know very integral to uh south asian subculture in that context south asian culture in that context nevertheless yeah. you know on one side of course while there is you know a certain amount of rallying political support that comes uh from different parts of the world and of course in context to today's conversation pakistan in specific in india the politicization of the pandemic has taken a new level altogether so it's really funny because in india the state and center are divided on three very imperative matters at the moment one is mm. where the states are doing everything in their control to restrict movement without hampering economic activity and trying to institutionalize a lockdown and the center saying we do not support it we do not endorse the word lockdown we cannot call a national lockdown the country will go to the dogs economically speaking of mm. course right mm. and the states and the center have been torn with this one decision right the second is the distribution of the vaccines because the center was controlling the distribution of the vaccines to the states on the basis of population density infections cases uh, comorbidities yeah. uh, basically the 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 census distribution of the states and mm. all of a sudden overnight the center is now telling the states look you guys need to figure out the balance vaccines on your own and all of overnight the states now have to fend for themselves import vaccines mm. from global players uh, i would imagine there'll be decentralization of procurement obviously which means there'll be commercial uh, you know uh, leakages that will take place etc mm. the third thing is of course you know the control and the distribution of es- essential supplies and the most essential supply at the moment is oxygen which is what india is really really lacking which is leading to you know these massive number of deaths that we're seeing and it's so sad to see that because of the politicization of the problem because of course the centers controlled by the bjp and different states in india controlled by different you know political parties that may not necessarily have aligned with the bjp like in bombay for instance the bombay is in a state called maharashtra which is controlled by the shiv sena yeah. which does not align with the bjp and we see that tussle every single day and it's so sad that because of their political disconnection public sentiment public healthcare infrastructure basic amenities and necessities are taken for granted and that's the mm. extent that the pandemic has been politicized to when it comes to talking about taking political advantage of i mentioned briefly we i gave you two examples west bengal elections just concluded tamil nadu elections mm. just concluded the government the prime minister modi himself has gone and conducted rallies of thousands and thousands of people where is the con- concept of social distancing where is the concept of stay home stay, stay safe where is the concept of keep your mask on and do not yell at the top of your voices and expose your lungs to you know so much mm, environmental yeah. threat the kumbh mela just got over the up government and the up is the most populated state in india the up government has been advertising and advocating the the kumbh mela in fact for our listeners around the world who don't know this and our mm. listeners in pakistan who don't know this the mahakumbh was actually scheduled for 2022 they pulled it back by a year for quote unquote astrological reasons despite the fact that the country is probably going through the worst time it's it's seen in in our lifetimes 
they're now forwarding something by one year for astrological reasons and saying that don't worry if you take a dip in the holy ganges there's no coronavirus that can ever get you and madhya pradesh just reported 3 days ago that 99% of all kumbh uh, participants have come back and tested positive and this blatant abuse of power when it comes to politicization of weaknesses and just taking advantage of the fickle state that the country is in the fickle the fickle you know uh, relations that the center has with the state or the states have with the center actually mm-hmm. if i may be more politically mm-hmm. correct in that context and i feel it's led to such an embarrassing situation the center has not yet acknowledged or accepted the help offered by a neighboring country which is pakistan and mm-hmm. speculation suggests that they won't do it of course because so much public flag and blah 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 yeah, the way like i look it. at it is lahore is 6 hours away from delhi right those ambulances yeah. can be in delhi by breakfast tomorrow morning if the pmo signs off on that letter saying yes yeah. and 50 ambulances yeah. can save 100 lives a day and 100 lives mm. a day saved is 100 more lives than were saved yesterday right where do your politics get involved in saving lives and this is where this is where the conversation has broken down for me and has broken down for several other people you know who've had the opportunity to study the politicization of this pandemic in a slightly academic and and yet practical fa- fashion and it's it's really sad to say that in times of crisis this politicization you know has prioritized politics over human life and it makes us actually sit back and question what these guys are in power for and what their priorities are right and it said mm. to you know generations have taught us that there is unity and adversity we see that right with the public sentiment in pakistan and india and it's better than it's ever been yes it may be torn it may be divided it will always be torn and divided for many years to come but the mm. fact that the pmo has reached out himself you know the imran khan has reached out himself private organizations ngos foreign affairs ministers reached out saying we are willing to support you guys the you know there is mm. a certain amount of positive public sentimentality around this they're trying to help one another you know trying to show unity unity in terms of this in times of this advers- adversity the government's political ego and stance is now standing in the way and it's not letting people contribute to the best of their abilities and that is just so sad and that's what's heartbreaking you know that there's no mm. concept of protection of life and that's what our you know our our officers in power should be prioritizing prioritizing first nahi ye uh, so so sad to report that this is not just one sided right so so similar uh let's say hurdles are there the, the political will power here as well so even these quotes and these tweets and this stuff that i'm quoting were by pakistan's um foreign officers offering this and you know saying that and so there always there's there's always this asterisk down there kabhi aap unki tweets mein niche jayenge agar you know if happen to read you know a news website or so so you you'll be able to find that it's there is going to be a, a you know an ask there as well so whether it's something like you know revise your decision on kashmir or do this or do that that is still there so the general sentiment on the outside seems to be that now you know uh, humanity first but there there is always this uh, this hook there ki kisi waqt bhi you know if agenda hai ki kahin bhi kisi waqt agar zarurat padi to we can turn this into a, a pr move 
per se, uh, and then use it to to leverage our our viewpoint, uh, the state's viewpoint uh, over certain issues to to the other side and to the international community. Okay? You know, we're, we're dangling this in return. So it's, uh, I mean, it yet it, it's yet because we're not in that situation yet whereby um, such a, a, this sort of situation hasn't presented itself yet here in Pakistan. So I'm not sure how our, our state will actually respond to it, whether they will be braver, whether they'll be able to take those unpopular decisions or not. That is, that remains to be seen. As a matter of fact, um, you, you know, the, the, these days, so during the end of Ramzan, there's this, uh, there's this, uh, there's this religious uh, uh, procession that goes out called the Yom Ali. The Yom Ali is very important, especially for the Shia community of Pakistan. Uh, and then even last year, because of the height of COVID, I think it was banned. And this year also the government has tried to ban it. Um, ban in the sense that they, they're saying that, you know, don't take this procession because it's a very elaborate procession. And it's, it, it's a very powerful moment for a lot of people, but it literally requires physical bringing together of lots of, lots of people. So the, the government has said that uh, uh, I think Lahore, uh, Punjab government has banned it, Sindh hasn't banned it, something like that. So there's a whole conversation around that. You know, is this is there a play of politics of power in here? Because on one hand, you're saying that this one community can't do this, which seems to make sense on the outset. But on the other hand, you're saying that, okay, the rest of the like, majority, let's say Sunni population, the majority, I think it was the Taravis, which, which is something that was not allowed last year. They can do their congregational prayers and that sort of stuff. So even wherever we look around, every road we unravel, there seems to be some play of politics, some, some like you said, some hidden agenda. <laughs> I hate using that word because it just makes me sound like a conspiracy theorist. Uh, but, you know, there seems to be, like I said, sheer willpower, you know, history books this person or this government or this at this point Pakistan or at this point India they took the higher road and they took the higher ground the moral ground and they decided to sacrifice let's say their own political agendas for the for the betterment of their own people literally their own people it doesn't even have I mean you're not doing it for we're not doing it to to save India we're doing it to save ourselves. Uh, so likewise, you know, when you accept, if, if India does accept those 50 odd ambulances, it's not, you know, it's, yeah, sure, it's, it's, it's going to be a blip on the radar, but it's literally, it's going to save, save our brothers on the other side of the, they're human beings, humanity first, nice hashtag, but um, hard, still, still a long road to go, I'm afraid. No, it's, it's so sad. I shouldn't even say it's sad. I should say it's heartbreaking that this political agenda and propaganda now stands above humanity and prioritizes political agenda, ego, call it what you want above human life. And it's unfortunate that this is what the world has come to today. And this is the world that we live in. And, you know, we're seeing so much death and despair around us, but yet we have to make our peace with this fact that this political agenda and ego is coming above humanity in their list of priorities. Uh, to all our listeners, our hearts go out to all of those who are suffering and our prayers go out to all those families that are battling the crisis with as much resources as they have, as limited resources as they have, but with all the endurance and all the strength and all the resolve in their hearts. Yeah, and 
further on as well, let's hope that together, like not just as Indians and Pakistanis, but as human beings, we can come together as a community because we share like our underlying message for the entire podcast is that if we share some so many, so many things, sure there are differences, but we share so many things. And let's let's try to find common ground and as 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 populations. Uh, try to use every resource that we have to uh, to actually make a better future for ourselves and, and to ensure that, uh, you know, the people that are around us have, live to see another day because that, that is the, the core thing that's being that's being challenged right now. So that people around us, you know, it's where even last year we were slightly behind India in terms of that thing. So maybe tomorrow I'm in the same, you know, you see the same sort of footage coming out of Pakistan. You know, you, you can't sit idly by and let petty things like politics actually uh, disturb the course of human life. You know, it's uh, we have to do it together. So this this podcast is is actually the way we Sweet and I imagined it was was it's our little effort to to highlight this issue and to it's a general appeal to everybody any and everybody that listens to this that you know please you know for the sake of for human beings not just for the sake of Indians but for the sake of human beings for the sake of mankind you know we sh- literally there is this there's this fear once again I come to this we, we shouldn't be I shouldn't be rooting for the fact that you know oh, India is in so much trouble you know they got whatever whatever was what was coming to them. I shouldn't be afraid to to root for the success to for them to you know pull themselves out of this and similarly for for Sabir, uh, you know December I say we're so caught up in our little webs that even if I attempt to say the opposite I am afraid that you know how will it be taken in society will I be locked up will something happen I can't root for the other side so at least this is a little start from our end and I hope that whoever is listening to this whether you're listening to it right now in this very difficult time. Uh, that is going through India and Pakistan, or whether you're listening to it five years down the line, ten years down the line. Hopefully, we were able to overcome this, and hopefully, you know, it was it was a sad but meaningful part of our journey, and hopefully, we've come out stronger at the end. And as as uh, as a final note, let me at least start. Let me and we start on this thing whereby I send my best wishes to India, and we look forward from all the support that we can receive from Pakistan. If you enjoyed this podcast, there is no better way to support us than to spread our message to like-minded folks. Follow us on our socials. We're most active on Instagram, but you can find us posting on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, and all the other usual suspects. Just search for 83 to infinity. And if you're feeling really generous, maybe put up a story about us and talk about how awesome we are. You know, the usual. Also, if you have an idea for us to explore, or know of someone that would be a great guest on 883, just drop us a message on Insta. We want this to be as interactive as possible and would love to feature and possibly dissect your thoughts on India, Pakistan, the bonds that join us and the gaps that separate us. This podcast was produced by Janvi Shetty, edited by Bijal Kakkar and Abbas Mahableshwarwala. Our social content is powered by Apurva, Arshi and Purva from Team Mammoth. Support the 883 art project led by Akash and Ahmed. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not meant to offend or hurt the sentiments of, including, but not limited to any person, dead or alive, religion or ethnic group, community or country. The primary purpose of this podcast is to build a cultural bridge and shed light on the similarities that we share with our friends from across the border. <laughs>